The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. Today we have a very special guest. Our good friend Travis Adams is here. Thanks so much for being on our show today, Travis. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate being here. Thank you. Can you tell the audience a little about yourself? Yeah, I'm a Marine veteran. Uh, I'm currently a peer counselor with the La Jolla VA, and I work in a residential setting, and I have my master's in social work from USC. Awesome. It's very appropriate because today we're going to be talking about The Punisher. As always, we are going to be having some spoilers on this episode, so just bear with us. The Punisher hits on so many levels with regards to the charisma of an anti-hero. Travis, can you give us a little background on The Punisher? Yeah, absolutely. So The Punisher was a Marine in Vietnam, a captain in the infantry. And during this time, if you read the the Bourne comics, the the four-part miniseries, it talks about how he's going to be able to survive this event that's going to happen. But it's going to cost him in the long run. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the miniseries... He's killed a lot of Vietnamese, and at the very last page, it shows a picture of a lady and two kids, kind of suggesting that that's going to be the cost that he has to pay later on for surviving this, this horrific trauma. During this time, he comes back. His family does end up passing away, uh, depending if you watch the, the movies or the, the TV series or the comics. It's a little mm-hmm. different each one. Very similar, though. And he goes on a, like a, a vengeance streak because he didn't die. With respects to the TV show, can you tell us a little bit about his arc from that angle? So in the in the Marvel uh, Netflix show, he's a, a Marine coming back from Afghanistan and really dealing with a lot of the horrors of life, but he's reintegrating back into his family. And they're spending time together, and he decides to take them to a carousel down at uh, Central Park, I believe. And during this time, there's a, a gangland shooting with a bunch of different mobs and and bikers and and different organized crime elements and this is what we see in the daredevil episodes uh, for season two and they kind of talk about that and then when you hit the punisher tv series it actually turns out to be more of a military uh type attack uh with some of his former marines and soldiers that were on the special forces team with him in afghanistan but you don't find that until later welcome home frank welcome Welcome home Frank. thank you Where does that end, Frank? Every single one of them, no trials. They died. You do this and I am done. That's it, you're dead to me, do you hear me? I'm already dead. My family's gone because of what I know. They're gone. I will come for you. Whoever you are, I'm coming for you. 
The show appears to depict a number of characters who experience trauma and appear to display symptoms of psychological distress. Dr. Scarlett, you have worked with both active duty service members as well as veterans. Can you please elaborate on the symptoms of PTSD as well as how they're depicted on the show? Sure. PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder, is something that some individuals can develop after being exposed to trauma. With PTSD, individuals might experience nightmares or flashbacks. Um, This is something that Frank Castle especially experiences. So there might be multiple times when he's having nightmares of seeing his family getting shot. He's also having flashbacks of um, both his time in the service as well as uh, seeing his family getting killed. PTSD also consists of um, mood changes. So it could lead an individual to be aggressive or violent or perhaps the opposite to be maybe numb for example. We see some of these examples both with Frank Castle as well as with some of the Marines that he interacts with. So one of the individuals that he connects with is Curtis Hoyle, who actually leads a support group for other veterans with PTSD. And we see a number of different uh, veterans who are exhibiting different symptoms, some of whom are angry, some of whom are experiencing more of the numbness or depression-like symptoms. PTSD can also lead to an individual experiencing what's called a fight-or-flight response where they might uh, be hypervigilant. So one of the characters, Lewis Wilson, actually uh, exhibits a lot of these symptoms where he does not appear to feel safe anywhere he is, especially in his house, and as a result exhibits significant uh, symptoms of distress, which can even interfere with his sleep. And then final symptom is avoidance of reminders of trauma or avoidance of certain situations that might trigger a distressing reaction, which for some people might be avoiding crowds or avoiding other situations where they might feel unsafe or might feel as if they're unable to have a good vantage point, for example. In order to be diagnosed with PTSD, individuals have to have these symptoms for over one month. And these symptoms have to be distressing enough to uh, cause an impairment in their life. And the number of characters that we see on the show, particularly Frank Castle and Lewis Wilson, do appear to have at least some of these symptoms. I think it's important, too, when we look at Lewis, he's having these nightmares in the middle of the day when he's sleeping and his dad comes home to visit him. And then he wakes up from the nightmare with his dad kind of walking down the stairs and he pulls a gun from under his pillow and shoots before he even realizes what's going on. And it's kind of that instant reaction, right? Absolutely. And so here's a great example of where both the nightmares and that hypervigilance can play into a potentially violent behavior sometimes, at least for some individuals, when they feel unsafe, when they feel threatened. So since we're on the topic of Lewis, one of the situations that really was interesting to me was when he left his house and dug the little hole in the ground, like the little foxhole, uh, to, I guess, feel more at home than he was. Um, where is the connection and disconnection? Yeah, I, I think it actually gives uh, Lewis some sense of control, where he's able to dig his, uh, his fighting hole or his foxhole, depending on who you talk to, and fill the sandbags around it and feel comfortable in there. Right. And then we see Curtis come up and talk to him about this and he doesn't want to talk about what's going on. And that's a a common symptom of avoidance. Now I'm going to talk about really what's going on. So Curtis tells him, well, you know what? You did this wrong. You should have dug it deep on this and so you don't drown. (laughs) Uh, And then and relates back to like Vietnam era, which goes back to like a Punisher's origin. Right. So it's a little hint on that, too. 
Um, and a lot of my veterans that I work with in my residential facility do like having a little more control and confined spaces. So I've had veterans live in storage units. I've had veterans living in their car um, and, and kind of feeling more at home. I've even had a lot of veterans that live out in the woods by themselves. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that in a lot of different movies and TV shows with regards to service members coming back and they, they don't feel connected or like they can even they fit in anymore. Travis, you are a Marine and you're a veteran and a peer counselor who works with veterans who have PTSD. In your experience, how accurately does this show portray a combat survivor's experience when they return to the civilian world? I actually think it does a really, really good job uh, because you have the different characters experiencing different layers. Right from Billy Russo running Anvil tour, he's still that paramilitary, but he he says he he got out before mm-hmm. he, it really took him. Curtis talking about how it got, he got out, but because of his loss of a leg as a corpsman when he was working on one of the, uh, a young Marine, um, Frank Castle, who if you refer back to the Daredevil episodes, says he does not have PTSD, and it's a shame to claim that for him. Right, and then Lewis who's on the more severe spectrum, and that just shows that we don't really understand of the resiliency on why some people get PTSD, the levels of, or severity of PTSD on each of these people, um, and what is a determining factor as of right now. I think it's important to realize that some of these veterans portrayed in the show are struggling more than others. Uh, where you have Curtis, everybody thinks he's doing well because he's running this peer group, um, talking with veterans who are going through something very similar as him, uh, facilitating it, and it, you know a lot of the veterans seem like they're getting something out of it, which is nice. And Billy is helping this by funding it. He pays the rent for the building, and he helps give money for the coffee and the donuts and stuff. Um, But then you talk to Curtis later on throughout the series, and he's like, no, this is how I cope, is I help others, and I deal with this stuff, which is very similar to the whole peer model that I work under, um, helping others, because it helps find purpose and motivation, which is something I think that a lot of the guys lose. So if you look at Billy and Curtis, when they have something to work towards, their symptoms are decreased, whereas Lewis, who doesn't have anything and he wants to go back into the army, can't. So he tries to join Anvil and then he's turned away because of Curtis talking to Billy. That's when he starts to decompensate more. And that's when he starts to deal with the foxhole. He starts to become more irritated, more irritable. It's highly increased, which is another common symptom. Mm-hmm. Dr. Scarlett, you also work with veterans and have worked with active duty service members. Can you weigh in on this as well? Sure. And very similar to what Travis has said, I've observed that um, both service members um, and veterans tend to really need that sense of connection and the sense of purpose. And I think that probably applies to most humans. So for example, I think Curtis actually exhibits symptoms of what's called post-traumatic growth, which is where an individual is able to find meaning and a sense of purpose from something traumatic that has happened to them. And that's what Travis had touched on when we're able to find some kind of a connection, like in in Curtis's example, um, a way to give back, a way to support other people that have been through something similar, then we ourselves might actually start exhibiting symptoms of recovery as well. I'm curious if you think that, because in in some of the veterans I work with, uh, amputees specifically, Mm -hmm. they tend to be further along in their process. Do you think that that has something to do with it? Like having a, a visual wound compared to the mental wound? I wouldn't want to generalize that to everybody. I think for some people that's easier and for some people because it might be easier to then explain to other people what they're going through. But I think for some people it might be harder. 
I worked with a number of amputees and also people who lost uh, function of their legs, although did not have amputations as a result of a combat injury. And for a lot of them, they initially struggled quite a bit more than a lot of the other people that I had worked with, because for them, in addition to the mental injury or moral injury, there was also a physical injury. And the, this belief, the core belief, I am broken, was actually uh, much more ingrained. And we had to do a lot more work to challenge that belief and to give them a sense of ability. But I think it, it really depends more of, on an individual. I think that an individual who is able to find meaning and connection the way that Curtis did, I think is a lot more likely to show resilience and recovery and fewer PTSD symptoms than an individual who, like Lewis, is um, avoiding and alienating. So I think a lot of it will probably depend on the choices that we make and the connections that we're able to form. And also, I think the level of support that the individual is able to get, I think that all of these can potentially increase somebody's resilience factors. Yeah, I think that you, you bring up a lot of good points. And I think that if you look at the support system, Curtis is trying to be that th for Lewis for the whole time and really struggling. You want to help me? That's all I want, Lewis. You want to screw me over with Billy Russo? Lewis, if you can't see going back into a war zone is about the worst thing that you can do, then I did the right thing. Not your call. Even for O'Connor, who's the, the Vietnam veteran who's lying about Vietnam, He's talking about his issues, and Curtis is still trying to help him, but even some of the other veterans in the support group are, are tired of his cracks, right? And then to go to another point you had mentioned, which I think is really good, is one thing I do when I work with my veterans. I talk about, like, you know what? We, we have this loss of identity. And through this loss of identity, I really think it amplifies our symptoms. And we can really see that when we're looking at Lewis. He was a soldier. I mean, he right before, uh, spoiler alert, before he blows up, he taught he talks about a, a soldier code and he starts reciting this code that he would uh, talk about in, in Afghanistan. Let go to your God. That's you can. You can do it like a soldier. Go. Go. Go like a soldier. And when I talk to my veterans, I'm like, you know, we need to find a purpose. We need to find a reason to get out of bed again. The only way out to find something that you care about we need to find what makes you you and and re-establish that identity which i think is a good point that frank has curtis has billy has lewis doesn't mm -hmm. absolutely and i think that you're right although lewis has a strong support system within the support group and also within his own family his father is extremely supportive he does not have that sense of purpose for frank his purpose had been his family until that was taken away from him. And then his purpose became punishing the people that hurt his family and then also protecting other people from experiencing something similar. He wants to make sure that the um, terrorist organizations and, and the drug trafficking organizations that had harmed him and other people are not going to be able to do it to others. So I think for him, it's that sense of purpose that keeps him going. And although he and Curtis take very different approaches I think having something to live for gives both of them uh, a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose. Yeah, and I think uh, the first episode in the, the Punisher series itself, where Frank kills the last of the, the mob bosses who ran into Mexico and he shot him from El Paso, Texas with a sniper shot, and he burns the Punisher logo. He just kind of goes away and he becomes this other identity. 
and he's working in a construction yard. And then some things happen, and he sees some bad people trying to take advantage of good people. And that's just a common theme throughout the Punisher series, whether it be the TV show, the movies, the short film, A Dirty Laundry, which I loved with Thomas Jane. Yeah, that was fantastic. And then, Everybody should see that, by the way. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's a little bit darker than the, the Thomas Jane movie with John Travolta. Wasn't and, it directed by Ron Perlman? I think it was, and he's in it. Yeah. Too. Fantastic. Anyway. Um, so, but you, you see that, that common theme of him wanting to right wrongs. If you look at some of the the comic books, even if you look at the Marvel Civil War series, you know at one point there's some villains that try to join Captain America's team versus Tony Stark's team, um, and this is obviously not in the movies; it's in the comics. And they walk into the room, and Punisher kills him. It's like we don't deal with trash like that. And Captain America fights him and beats him and hits him with the shield. And Captain America yells, and he's like, "Fight me!" And he's like, "I will not fight you," because Captain America is good. So, so he won't fight Captain America because he has a set of morals and his code, right, where he doesn't do harm to good people. In fact, it, later on in that book or the next page even in the Civil War series, it talks about how inspirational Captain America was for Frank Castle. That Part of the reason he joined the military is because of Captain America. You're speaking about morals and codes, and you were both speaking about connection. It's interesting that although Frank Castle crosses the line of justice for the sake of vengeance i'm gonna kill them all every single one of them no trials no bullshit he died i tend to be very sympathetic towards him and his mission even though it might be considered evil by some other people why do you think it might be easy for some audience members to connect with an anti-hero like frank castle i think there might be multiple reasons i think First of all, many of us have this desire to see justice in the world because uh, if there is justice, then it means that so long as we do good things, we will be rewarded, right? In fact, most of us have this um, just world belief that we kind of grew up with, which means good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, kind of that karma belief, right? And it makes us feel safe. And the world doesn't always work that way. Frank Castle, who tried to do the right thing, he ended up losing his family, and that's not just. But then seeing the fact that he was able to take control and punish the bad guys, but support the good guys, I think for the viewers, makes us feel safer and makes us feel like justice has been done. You know, those uh, people, ones that put down, the people I killed, I want you to know that I do it all again. This is a circus, all right? It's a charade, it's an act. It's bullshit about how crazy I am. I ain't crazy. I'm not crazy. Okay? I know what I did. I know who I am. And I do not need your help. I'm smack dab in the middle of my right goddamn mind. And any scumbag, any any lowlife, any maggot piece of shit that I put down, I did it because I liked it. Hell, I loved it. I'm sick. I'm, I'm just itching. I'm, 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 I'm itching to do it again. And you think what? You think you're going to send me to a nut house? Some doctor, they're going to get me to stop from doing what I want to do? Well, that ain't happening. Not on my watch. You call me the Punisher. Ain't that right? The big bad Punisher. You want it? Remove the witness. I am the Punisher. I'm right here. You want it? I'll give it to you. Anybody who came here today, hear me why? Hear me beg? Kiss 
In addition, this happens a lot of times, or at least in, in sometimes in um, service members, but it can happen in other trauma survivors as well, where we might develop a sense of what's called a moral injury. And this is when we might either accidentally or by an order, for example, commit an act that we otherwise would not, something that goes against our moral code. So in the case of Frank Castle, actually, he thought that he was following orders and that all the people he was killing were, were terrorists or bad individuals. And to find out later that some of the individuals he killed during the war were innocent bystanders or witnesses, uh, for example, actually was really painful for him. And so I think he tries to atone for um, all of his sins. I think that for him, a lot of the decisions he makes are not only vengeance driven, but also moral driven. And I think a lot of it is him trying to create a sense of justice for himself and for the people he's involved with. Now, I, I think you bring up a lot of really good points there. And one thing that comes to mind is when he's sleeping and he's having nightmares he's always dreaming of his wife coming up and kissing him and wake up sleepyhead i let you sleep in and then a marine with a ski mask comes in the door and shoots her over and over and over again and then at one point you see him take off the ski mask and it's him you killed my family to get to me kids they're gone there's nobody left they're dead they're all dead because of you You didn't kill your family. What if I did? And a reflection of him killing an innocent and how that's the guilt that, that wow. weighs heavy on him. That's he, deep. He doesn't think about or talk about the traumas associated with killing 17 Afghanis when he's clearing out the building. That doesn't impact him, but it's that one thing of killing that Zamir guy um, and how that impact him more than a lot of the other stuff that he'd been through. So there's no doubt that Frank Castle or the Punisher is considered an anti-hero. Can you guys talk about the actual other heroes that might be in the show? Yeah, I think I think we can't really talk about the show without talking about Micro. Right. So Micro, for a little backstory, he was an NSA analyst that leaks some information that he received regarding this unjust kill in Afghanistan that Frank's team is a part of. And he leaks that out, and then the next day, after he sends an email to somebody at Homeland Security... He is hunted down. He uh, is shot in the chest and protected by his cell phone, which, you know, all cell phones are bulletproof. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep my iPhone over my heart. And uh, he just doesn't come back to his family. And, and by not coming back to his family, he, he risks his ultimate value. Right? He's constantly doing everything he can to get back to his family throughout the whole series. But the reason he did this and the reason he he jeopardized this because he knew it was going to happen. Him and his wife end up actually talking about it the night before or right before he sends the email and knowing what was at risk, he had to do what was right, which is what a hero does. Right. Does what's right no matter what's going on around him. Or the consequences like losing your family or not being able to see them just to be able to keep them safe. And I think the other character we have to mention is uh, Dina Madani, right? She is a Homeland Security agent who, uh, when she realizes that some of the people that she works with are up to some questionable activities, um, she risks her own 
life and well-being to make sure that those people are taken to justice. She actually gets injured on multiple occasions and nearly dies in the process, but she wants to make sure she finds the truth. And even for the people that have been killed, even for the people that are no longer living, she wants to find that justice. And I think it's what makes her an absolutely remarkable character. She is absolutely fearless. She will stop at nothing to make sure that she does the right thing and that justice is served. Yeah, Madani. I mean, Madani That's how we fix this. That's, that's how we fix this. We've been hiding from her this whole time. We don't need to hide from her. She wants the same things that we do. I have the video. You are the eyewitness. As you see, we give that to her. Lock and key. Lock and key. We give that to Madani. She arrests Rollins. I go home. Boom. Done. I make sweet love with my wife. Stop that shit. Stop that shit. Rollins dies. Remember? Oh, that's right. Everybody dies. You got them right. Yeah, that is right, huh? Your family's dead. Anyone that ever looked at you sideways, they're dead. And you just keep on going, huh? You just keep on going. You're a psychopath. That's right. Yeah. You done? You have nothing but a war inside you. Yeah, I think it's important to recognize too that our anti-hero, uh, Punisher Frank, saves her twice when she is injured, which actually ends up to him being caught at the end. And so he walks in after three days of deliberation. Dina is still in the hospital where we see also one of the directors of the CIA and uh, Rafi from Homeland Security, where they say, you know what, Frank Castle... His DNA has been swapped with a dead man's, and he kind of doesn't exist anymore. And, and here you go. Here's your alternate identity, giving Frank some some leeway, some freedom, some relief in all that pain and struggle he goes through. In this last five minutes of this show, we actually see Frank opening up about his fears. Uh, one being that he turns down the family dinner with Micro, and the second being that he actually attends Curtis's peer group. Can you guys talk about that? You know, in all the years that I worked at Camp Pendleton with active duty service members, just about every single one of them has told me that despite all the horrors that they experienced on deployment, walking through my door and seeing a therapist and having to talk about what happened to them, that sense of vulnerability was scarier for them than anything that they've experienced. I think that it's hard enough to go through the trauma, but having to face it, having to talk about it afterwards, that's the scariest part. But I also think that's the most courageous part. To be able to show up to therapy, to be able to go to a support group, I think that's where real courage is. I think that what we're most afraid of usually is somebody finding out our true self right and and coming face to face with a lot of the things that we've been running from so i think for someone like frank especially to show up in a support group shows real courage because he spent all these years running and i think it's understandable that he's afraid and him showing up there despite it suggests a lot about the kind of person that he is and i think it's important to realize too is vulnerability is actually the probably the greatest strength you can have and we see this with the last two words from frank in the, in the series it's i'm scared mm-hmm. and and how powerful is that to see this guy this hardcore marine that does so much in his life that takes care of all these people that that kills all these bad guys to finally admit he doesn't have a war to fight and that scares him as long as i was at war yeah, i never thought about uh, 
what happened next. What I was gonna do when it was over. But I guess that's it, you know. I think that might be the hardest part, the, the silence. Silence when the gunfire ends. You, you know, how, do you, how do you live in that? I guess, I guess that's what you're trying to figure out, huh? That's what you guys are doing. You're working on it. I respect that. I just... Um, if you're gonna look at yourself, and really look in the mirror, you gotta... Yeah, you gotta admit who you are. But not just to yourself, you gotta... Yeah, to everybody else. First time, as long as I can remember, I don't have a war to fight. And I guess, if I'm gonna be honest, I just... I'm scared. Yeah, that is very interesting to think about the Punisher actually having these fears. And that's something that, you know, I'm glad you guys discussed. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Superhero Therapy. Thank you so much, Travis, for being on our show and joining us. Uh, can you please tell the audience how they can find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, I have a Twitter, and it's the Marine underscore peer, P-E-E-R. And then you'll see me at Comic-Cons hanging out with this little redhead right next to me. <laughs> And uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Shadow Quill on Twitter and Superhero Therapy just about everywhere else. And I'm your host, Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. Thank you all for joining us and take care. Yeah.